0: Hello again, everybody. I'm Mike, and welcome to, wait, are these guys friends? Alone. Without Randy. Randy is not here. Which, I guess on its surface, could be said that no, then we are not friends. But that is not the case. We recorded an entire episode yesterday. It was really good. We had an hour and 15-minute discussion about the career of Vince Vaughn. We worked down his IMDb. We tried to discover, was there ever a point where Vince Vaughn was a genuine box office draw based on some conversations and social media stuff throughout the past week we talked about the simpsons episode any given sundance randy gave one of his cool guy randy music recommendations and you know we we talked a little bit about what we'd watch this week here's the thing that episode's probably never going to happen never going to air never going to be put out because i said some just horribly offensive comments oh no i'm sorry no it's because of technical difficulties it's because of technical difficulties is what we're telling everybody it is technical difficulties. So we finished the episode. We're, you know, we're waiting for the service we use to give us the version I can edit. And it just kind of stays at 50% processing for a day and a half. And I'm reaching out to them. Hey, what's going on here? This, they're trying to do that. And it's just not happening, right? It's It's not working. So Randy had to leave for a work trip for his real life, lame. And I'm stuck here to think, how can I fill the void? Just me by my lonesome. Thankfully, I'm a narcissist and can listen to the sound of my own voice for extended periods of time and really enjoy it. I'm probably our most dedicated listener. I just, you know, my nasal tones really do a lot for me. So what I thought I would do here is talk a little bit about lost media. Let's let's discuss some lost media, things that are lost to time, things that people are aware of, things people can maybe remember but will never see again or things that have been rumored and may even we know exist, but we'll never be able to see. And in between all of that, I'm going to give you two stories about me. Stories that for years I thought, you know, if I ever have a podcast, these are stories I could tell in the podcast. I've never felt like I had enough stories to do like a weekly episodic show about my life, but I've always thought, you know, I have a few deep down in the reserves that I could could bust out when needed, and this is that time. Oh, and because Randy's not here this week because of everything going on, I am going to take audio from the first three weeks to just include him in the episode and, you know, cut him together to make him say anything I want and respond to questions. Isn't that right? Tell me how much you love Weezer, Randy. Sure. Big fan. I absolutely agree. You're saying that the White Album in 2016 and 2020's Van Weezer were both fantastic efforts that you listen to all the time? It speaks to a time, too, uh, that it just it takes me back. Anytime I hear a multitude of songs from this album, it takes me back to a certain time. I think that's what cool music does. That's fantastic. I love every second of that. Anyway, let's get started. First off, I'd actually like to talk about a piece of media that was found only in June of 2022. It had been lost for 46 years. No one had a copy of it. Nobody knew where they could find it. It was an episode of Sesame Street, episode 847 of Sesame Street, to be precise. It aired in 1976 on February 10th, and it was considered so scary to the kids of Sesame Street that they pulled it and never re-aired it. It wasn't really that scary, but it was Margaret Hamilton, the actual Wicked Witch of the West from the original Wizard of Oz film from 1939, came onto Sesame Street and reprised her role as the Wicked Witch, doing all sorts of spooky stuff on Sesame Street. The only one who liked the Wicked Witch was Oscar the Grouch, which, you know, lean into your brand. Be you, you know, always be yourself. I'm going to read a paragraph from LostMediaWiki.com, which is a fascinating site. It is filled with just so much stuff, of of TV shows that have been canceled and never put on DVD, and you'll never see again because you don't know if anyone actually has the rights to print anything out tv shows and movies and comics and books and video games that were partially completed and then you know stills and footage was put out and then it was buried in a closet never to be released okay from the wiki in the days following the episodes airing a barrage of complaints was received by the children's television workshop the majority of which were from angered parents whose children had been traumatized by hamilton's frightening guest appearance Due to the episode's overwhelmingly poor reception, several additional test screenings were held the following month, although the results were generally inconclusive, with a large portion of the test audience appearing fascinated by the witch rather than scared on account of her green face, because remember, these are little kids, and in the 70s, not everybody had a color TV. Despite the test inconclusive results, the initial complaints were enough for them to declare the episode unsuitable for re-airing. And for 43 years, that was it. PBS would replay Classic Episodes of Sesame Street all the time. Episodes were rerun and rerun and rerun over the years, and people had memories of this episode, but they could never see it, and it was never aired. And in a pre-internet culture, it became one of those whispered things among collectors. The wiki continues because, you know, I'm just reporting what this wiki read. This could all be lies. I don't know. But anyway, the wiki continues. In February 2019, 4,500 episodes of Sesame Street were given to the American Archive of Public Broadcasting. That episode was confirmed to be in the archive, but it would only be available for viewing at the Library of Congress. However, the episode was leaked online anonymously in June of 2022. There's a lot of stills and some video clips you can still find online. Technically, those are illegal, and you'll be breaking the law if you watch them. So do you really want to be a criminal because you were watching Sesame Street? You sack of shit. Randy, what do you think about that? Sure. Big fan. Randy, would you break the law to watch this episode? Yeah, yeah. How much time would you be willing to do in prison for stealing this Sesame Street episode? Uh, at least seven, eight years. Fantastic. All right, so... Now that we've covered our first piece of lost media, I will tell you the first of the two stories I had planned today about myself. If you are one of the people I know in real life, you've heard every one of these stories before. They're usually good party stories. They get people moving. You know, they can engage a crowd. We'll see how it works in the audio format when podcasting. I'm going to tell you first about the time I accidentally made dough in the carpet of my small apartment in Connecticut. I used to have a public access television show. I would shoot sketches. I would bring the DVDs to the network, which was Nutmeg TV in Connecticut. I did it regularly for a couple of years, and I was always, you know, trying to find the content, just like I am now. I would shoot small sketches and weird little bits, and I was constantly trying to think of stuff. There was one dumb bit. I don't even remember what it was, but it involved doing cocaine because I was, you know, in my 20s and a real cutting-edge comedian. It was probably not very funny, and I stopped doing the show because it was like, You do two years of shows and you get like 10 good bits because you're just grinding. Anyway, so I shoot this bit and I take flour for the cocaine and I just smush it all over my face and I do all this dumb stuff and it's in my carpet and I think, oh, I really need to clean that. I should vacuum that. I'm going to do that. And no, I'll do it later. I'll take care of that later. I'm going to start the dishwasher and I'm going to take a nap. So I go take a nap after starting the dishwasher. And I wake up to some noise, like a clinking and gurgling, like... I like, what the hell is that? A pipe had burst, water had spilled out of the dishwasher in my kitchen, and rushed into the adjacent room where all the flour was still in the carpet. And the water and the flour had mixed into the carpet, forming a rudimentary dough in my carpet... And I thought, what the fuck am I going to do here? I go to the carpet and I start trying to pull clumps out with my hand. And it's just, it's not going well. And now my hands are gross and covered in weird carpet dough. And I think, what do I do? What do I do? Can I, can I vacuum it out? I'll vacuum it out. The suction will take care of it. This was very stupid. Because while it did maybe pick up some of it, it was a heavier dough And also, the heat from the air was, like, cooking the dough into my carpet. And it eventually, not just from the vacuum, I didn't know what to do, and it solidified. And when the carpet and the dough had become one hard mass, I just took a hammer and I smashed as much of the carpet as I could. And I always just had one flat, faded patch in that apartment. I did get my security deposit back, if you can believe it. Uh, that's, a, that's another story, I'll say, another time. But that place was bad enough that I did get my security deposit back after making fucking carpet dough in there. Now, on to our next piece of lost media. Listen, amongst your Anglophiles, your sci-fi fans, your general nerdy crowd, this next one's pretty famous, but I would be remiss if I did not talk about the missing episodes from Doctor Who. Of the first 253 episodes, 97 are still completely missing, probably never to be found, primarily from Seasons 3, 4, and 5. There are 26 stories just incomplete. There were a lot more that were lost, but over the course of time, they were found. Often, the tapes had been sent off to Canada or to Egypt or somewhere where it had been stored and not taped over, which is what the BBC did. The BBC until it changed its policy in 1978 and actually started archiving things, would just tape over a show. So according to the internet and the basic write-up, between approximately 1967 and 1978, large quantities of videotape and film stored in the BBC's engineering department and film libraries were wiped or destroyed to make way for newer programs. This happened primarily because of the belief that there was no practical value to keeping the older programs. Tell that to today's modern society of collectors. They're looking at this gaping wound. Interestingly enough, a lot of these stories have been put back together through audio because somehow, for some reason that I've never understood, Doctor Who versus a lot of other shows, I think maybe because nerds are obsessive, go nerds, they have audio recordings, a lot of these episodes, that vanish. There are other shows in the BBC that are gone forever, massive libraries of lost media that weren't even recorded in audio format. And people have been able to recreate these lost episodes through photos and animation. I think it's fascinating that one of the missing episodes is the original regeneration. The first Doctor regenerating into the second Doctor is a missing episode. The only reason that they have the clip of the actual regeneration is because that clip was sent to air as like a promotional material elsewhere. And somehow that managed to survive, which... Thank goodness it did, because whenever a new doctor shows up and I want to watch that YouTube compilation of Every Generation, I'd be so angry if it was not in there. Randy, before I hit my second and final personal life story for the day, do you have any thoughts on anything so far? Nope. That's it? I just, could you try to contribute a little bit more here? I feel like I'm really holding up my end of this this week and you're not doing shit. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. It there's there's just there's not a lot to talk about here. You know what? I'm doing my best here. And I just I'm doing what I can to salvage this episode. I realize it's not what we normally do, but I'm doing all I can and I wish I wish you would just appreciate that. It, 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 well said, I guess. Okay, now for my second and final personal life story and I feel like I need to preface this, that this is going to sound bad. I promise it gets funny. I swear it gets funny. It is about the time I almost got stabbed outside of my apartment building in Bristol, Connecticut. This was not the same place where I made carpet dough. I'd moved at this point. And I actually really liked this place. Seemed like a fine neighborhood. I had no issues with it. Here's what happened. I'm getting home from work. I'm driving home. And I see a sight, and I remember seeing this clearly, because at this point, it is two o'clock in the morning. And there is a woman pushing a baby stroller up the hill by my apartment. And I think, gee whiz, that's a weird time to be out walking the kid. But I park, and it's important to note that when I park in my complex's lot, there's like a small uh, metal fence between the sidewalk and my apartment. Just small enough to where somebody proved get over it, but it has like those points at the top, so somebody's probably not hopping over it. This will be relevant very soon. So I'm in my car, and I'm doing that disassociating thing where you sit in your car from the day before you go inside. I'm on my phone. I'm processing. I'm like, oh, it a day. The woman with the stroller starts walking by. And all of a sudden, a car, car pulls up, screeches, stops in the road. Guy gets out, starts yelling at her in Spanish, and they're arguing back and forth. He is screaming at her. And I'm like, okay, fuck, am I going to have to get involved here? Because I don't know what's going to happen to this woman. I do not know what's going to happen to this baby. This is not some heroic thing where I'm like, I need to get out and help her. I'm going to help her if she needs help. I'm going to make sure she doesn't get hurt. But this is not, I need to jump into action. It's, oh, fuck. Okay, all right, here we go. I slowly get out of my car. And I stand up, and I shut the door, and I'm kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm slowly walking away from my car towards my apartment building, watching this, seeing what's going to happen. And then he pushes her. Oh, okay, here we go. Fuck. I say fuck out loud. Oh, fuck. Hey, man, gonna need you to walk away. That's me. Which apparently, when faced in this situation, I open with, "Hey man, that's, that's who I am as a person. And he looks at me and he goes, "Walk away." And I go, Oh, I can't do that. Uh, you're gonna need to leave and leave and leave her alone." And he pulls out an exacto knife that he apparently has, and he threatens me with the exacto knife, and he goes, "You need to walk away." And my gut instinct now is to immediately call nine one one instead of running or doing anything. I call nine one one and I'm loudly on the phone. It was an answer. I go, Hello, is this nine one one? Hello, police. There is a woman and myself being threatened and I'm like loudly announcing so he knows I'm genuinely on the phone calling. And he looks at me and he's looking at the woman and I'm nervous right now because he does have this knife. And it could go either way. He could come lunging. He could do that. He could hurt the woman. He could do something. He's close enough to both to where I'm not sure what's going to happen. What I'm happy about in this is he doesn't try lunging it either. He decides to walk and go around to find the opening to my gate. I see him going for it. And it's dark. So he's going. I go, okay, I got to get inside. And the woman starts running. And I go to get inside. And (laughs) I've left out an important part. And I've left out an important part of this story because this is the funny part. This is the part where it gets funny. Remember how we try to do comedy and have a good time here? This is the funny part. I go up to my door. And I am on the phone with 911. And they're like, get inside. Shut the door. Keep talking to us. Tell us everything that's happening. I'm like, right, right, right. You got it. Yes, I'm going. I'm going now. I get to my door. And I stop. And they're like, what's wrong? Here's what was wrong. For the better part of a year, I had lost the building key to get in. I just lost it. I had no idea where it was. I didn't like my landlord. I didn't want to ask for a replacement. The management company was kind of annoying. And it was fine because I had my cell phone. And you could buzz yourself in from your cell phone. You just call the intercom. It calls your phone. You buzz yourself in. My friends were like, that's so annoying. Why would you do that? I go, it's fine. It's fine. Suddenly, I'm being chased by a guy with a knife. And I'm on the phone with 911, and they're saying, Get inside. And I'm like, Oh no, I have to hang up on you. And they go, You have to hang up. I go, I have to hang up on you to get inside. They go, Don't hang up. I have to. And I hang up and call my fucking intercom. And it's the loudest noise in the world. And I'm looking and I've lost track of the guy, but I can hear his footsteps and I don't know where he is. And I'm. And I hit the thing and I'm waiting, and it's just beep. It's like a fucking dial up modem. It's like beep, 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 beep. And my, finally, my phone starts ringing. I hit the thing. I run in. I slam the door shut. I call 911 back and I go, Hi, I was just on the phone and I had to hang up and I, I can explain, but I'm, I'm safe now. I'm like, Okay. Okay, yep, we have you. We're okay. Everything's good. Do you see the guy? I was like, no, he ran off and the woman ran off and I don't know what's going on. He's like, okay, just stay calm. We're going to send some officers by. We're going to see what's going on. We're going to find out what's happening. Okay. So the cops swing by. I give him my statement, blah, blah, blah. I didn't hear anything the rest of the night. That's the funny part, right? And that's really where my part in this ends. I do have an addendum. Okay, so I can't remember the name of this app because it was at least four to five years ago but it was kind of in the wake of pokemon go where suddenly like geo tracking was big and you could tag where you are and what's going on and like record a video and i don't think it was snapchat maybe it was something on snapchat but here's the addendum the next morning i'm like that was insane and i'm telling friends and somebody messaged me and they go isn't this by your apartment i go what what's by my apartment Somebody had like geo-tracked a trail of blood that they followed. And they sent me the video and they're like, Isn't this right by your place? So like, yeah, right by my place. And I'm like, What first off, I'm watching this video, and I'm like, why the fuck are you following the trail of blood in real life on this geotracking app thing? And they follow it, and the trail of blood leads about two blocks away to the hospital. Then I looked up, I was like, oh my God, something happened. I looked it up you know, like local police news, things like that. They did say that they had found a guy in my area. They tracked him to the hospital. They found him. They arrested him. He had been doing some self-harm stuff, but they got him. Everybody's alive. I'm fine. Lady's fine. Baby's fine. Hopefully he got the help he needed. I realized that the ending to that After all of that insanity, with some funny moments I think spread throughout, isn't exactly the most uplifting, happy way to end. But that's okay, because we're going to get even more depressing. That's right, I said it. We're going to get even more depressing with our third and final piece of Lost Media. The last piece of Lost Media we're going to talk about today, piece number three, is The Day the Clown Cried. I think it is my duty to let you know ahead of time that this film, and discussing it, has a lot of trigger warning material and a lot of trigger warning opportunities It could raise some feelings you don't want to feel. This movie should never have even attempted to have been made. It's good that it was never released, but its making is fascinating, but its content is terrible. It is Jerry Lewis as a clown during the Holocaust. Let's discuss it. The Day the Clown Cried was being made in 1971 by comedian Jerry Lewis. The plot is about a down-on-his-luck circus clown, an unpleasant egotist of a man who becomes a political prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp for drunkenly mocking Adolf Hitler. As you should do. Fuck that guy. However, while there, she discovers a receptive new audience and the youngest prisoners, the children of the concentration camp and ultimately volunteers to lead them into the gas chamber, remaining to make their last moments happy, and perhaps earning some redemption himself. Yes, this is what I think is maybe the most legendary never-released, but we all know it exists film of all time. The concept alone. He. It was very publicized that he was working on this movie in the 70s, everybody was aware of it, and everybody knew what the plot was. There was a mystery about this film, while it was being made, because the concept that Jerry Lewis was making a concentration camp film in 1972, that's a a little shocking. Harry Shearer, what I love about this moment is every week we talk about The Simpsons. I'm not able to do that this week, but Harry Shearer, who voices Mr. Burns, Principal Skinner, Superintendent Chalmers, among many, many others is claimed to have seen a rough cut of the film in 1979, and he described it as such. Seeing this film was awe-inspiring, and that you are rarely in the presence of a perfect object. This was a perfect object. The movie is so drastically wrong. Its pathos, its comedy, are so wildly misplaced that you could not, in your fantasy of what it might be like, improve on what it really is. Oh my god! That's all you can say. It's as if you flew down to Tijuana and suddenly saw a painting on black velvet of Auschwitz. You just think, my God, wait a minute. It's not funny, and it's not good, and somebody's trying too hard in the wrong direction to convey this strongly held feeling. Jerry Lewis eventually shared this view as well, insisting in later years that the film was bad, 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 an unsalvageable mistake in tone and taste. He has rarely discussed the film, but when he has, he has said that he is embarrassed of it and ashamed of it because he slipped up. He says, I didn't quite get it. I didn't quite have enough sense to find out why I'm doing it, and maybe there would be an answer. It was reported by the LA Times in 2015 that a copy of the film had been donated to the Library of Congress by Jerry Lewis with the condition that the film not be shown for 10 years, which means that's next year. I'm talking about Lost Media we might see this terrible, horrible thing that we probably shouldn't see next year. In 2016, roughly 30 minutes of footage from the film was discovered on Vimeo. The footage included dubbed film scenes from the German documentary about the film. In 2021, the Library of Congress did confirm they have the original, unedited 35 millimeter negative. They also received a behind-the-scenes print. Neither print is complete with sound. Neither have been digitized. But purportedly, they will be able to release some of this footage in 2025. But they probably fucking shouldn't. That was not in the article or any reports. That was me saying that. Don't release the footage of this movie. Honest to God, I feel like in the early 2000s, you could have released it. It would still have been tasteless. It still would have been horrible. But it wouldn't have galvanized, I think, a base of people who weirdly would want to see this, I worry that those crazy people are more prevalent in the world now. From a filmmaking, historical, cultural standpoint, I am fascinated by the story of this movie, but bury this and never actually release it anywhere. It's said that the reason Jerry Lewis even wanted to do this is he was moved by the premise of the tortured clown, trying for his redemptive arc, being a horrible person, and maybe being able to do... One good thing in a horrible world. He was eager to try out his skills as a dramatic actor because he was over comedy by this point. And it says that he threw himself wholeheartedly in what became essentially your classic Hollywood vanity project. And he rewrote the script from the ground up prior to starting production. The budget ran out while it was shooting, he which forced Jerry Lewis to invest his own money. A feud erupted between Jerry Lewis and one of the producers who turned out to have never actually secured the rights to the original script that Jerry Lewis had rewritten. It ended with Lewis taking a copy of the film so that it wouldn't be lost while all these things were happening in court. The other producer kept the original negatives, planning to finish the film himself. The film was planned to be released in 1973. It was going to play at Cannes and then it was going to have a wide release in America. None of these things, again, ever happened because Jonah Bryan, the original scriptwriter, still had her copyright. If this sounds at all familiar to you, yes, this does kind of sound like Roberto Benigni's Life is Beautiful. However, I cannot imagine Cinderella or The Nutty Professor turning this into a good, worthwhile film. Randy, is there anything you would like to say about The Clown Who Cried and this terrible movie that should never, ever be released? I will say there is something to the fact of the it, the redemptive part of it within the struggle or or whatever like that, where he's kind. Of, it it feels like he's turning a corner on that, and so that that does have a happier vibe to it, and it's <laughs> nice to have that amongst the other things. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I please remember he is not actually here. If you've forgotten, I am taking audio clips from other weeks, and I just I needed to put something. Yeah, before the end of the show, and I I remembered that quote. I, oh, God, he's going to kill me. He's going to fucking kill me for that. I won't be here next week because Randy will have murdered me. I don't care. That was so perfect. So, yeah, that is this week's episode of Wait. Are these guys friends? And after that last bit, no, we probably definitely are not. He, again, he's going to take me out. But I know we had a lot of things planned for the episode that couldn't air. I really hope we get it sorted out, all the technical stuff. I've reached out to some support team people for the service we use. They are looking into it still. It is not a no yet. I hope we can get that episode. If we do, I'll upload it next week. It'll be great. And if we don't, we'll record something new because I can't see trying to recreate the conversation we had the previous week. It wouldn't feel natural. But with that, I'm going to beg and plead for that five stars on any platform you're listening to this to. It genuinely does help. If you can leave five stars, the more five stars we have, the more we get seen. Leave a review so that we know you're, you know, listening. We'll read the review in the episode. We've done it once already. Send me an email at MikeBarcode. Barcode. That's Mike, M-I-K-E-B-A-R-C-O-D-E at gmail.com, mikebarcode at gmail.com. If you have Anything interesting that you'd like to talk to me or the show about, you can find me at that same name on TikTok and Instagram if you want to engage on the social medias. But this has been a weird one. I know this has been a weird one, but I wanted to get something out for you guys today. Uh, Randy, any final thoughts? Nope. No? Okay, great. Uh, we'll, We'll see you all next week, hopefully. Bye, everybody.